I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we are going to be discussing creativity. Now, creativity is one of my favorite topics to talk about because the power of creativity is the power of creation, making something out of nothing. And I think that is one of the most beautiful and most powerful things that we as human beings have. So today with us we have S Venkatesh, who's going to talk us through his idea and his philosophy behind creativity. So Venkatesh, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Thank you, Ashwin. Uh, great to be on the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Like I said, creativity is one of my favorite. topics to discuss um venkatesh can you tell us a little bit what you said sure thanks ashwin uh, so yeah creativity i think is something that many of us aspire to some of us are in awe of but it seems like something distant something unapproachable but as you rightly pointed out we all have creativity within us i think all of nature all of creation i think is an act of creativity so it's a question of being able to unlock that creativity somehow and so a little bit about myself i've been interested in books since i was a kid wanted to write books since i was a kid you know my grandfather's library and all that and somehow over the years so i did my engineering i did my mba and i uh, took up a job in investment banking uh, spent time with credit suisse deutsche bank jp morgan traveled a lot saw lots of places lots of life experiences um and it was all fun but somewhere along the way this urge to write sort of you know got forgotten by the wayside it would occur to me once in a while that hey maybe i should write but you know somewhere it was this distant unapproachable thing and i didn't really know how to translate inspiration into something concrete correct i think over the years what happened is i was doing a lot of business travel and somewhere you know in airplanes and airport lounges i got the time to actually put pen to paper and uh, so I, i think at the time that i started writing my first book i was working for an australian firm macquarie we were making investments in companies private equity investments i started writing sporadically at first then more regularly and over the years that acquired a momentum of its own about maybe 6 odd years ago i stepped out of the confines of a regular corporate job and set up my own management consulting outfit and in some ways that gave me some latitude to be able to act on inspiration when it came to me uh you know you get an idea and you're able to actually act on it the same day and that that's just very nice so over the years you're yes, in control so, of your own time and your own <laughs> destiny yeah, as it were yeah to a reasonable extent i think your clients <laughs> still have some control over you but yes and so i was at least able to act on the inspiration and over the years that's how my first book kalkut got written this was published in 2018 uh my second book agniban got was published last year and my third book should be out by end of this year Fantastic. So yeah, so I divide my time between my management consulting firm and uh, writing. I write a column as well about mindfulness, and I also, you know, do some speaking. So yeah, it's it's a bunch of things. So you know, when you spoke about writing, you said that put pen to paper. Did you first start writing actually with a pen and paper, or did you, or was it a, a phrase instead? Do you start your book with laptop yeah, and keyboard? Yeah, it was metaphorical. So I write entirely on the laptop. what i do use though is the notes feature on the phone so you know you're in the middle of something you're in a meeting or a presentation or whatever and or you know you're passing through security at an airport and you get an idea and you don't have time to actually write it so i just jot it down on the notes feature and then when i do my writing i go back to that and flesh it out yeah but pen to paper the only time i find it useful is i you know when i'm plotting a story i have these a3 sheets and i just 
start making like flowcharts or something. So, and it's just whatever comes to my mind. So, do you mind map it out? It's sort of, yeah. But I don't do it in a structured way. Okay. I mean, I, I just realized that sometimes imposing too much structure impedes creativity. So, I just do it the way it comes to me. So, I might mind map the relationships between characters. And as you do it, you start realizing that, hey, so this person in office that the protagonist doesn't like, maybe he has a childhood trauma and maybe somewhere that links back to some figure that the protagonist didn't like in his childhood. So instead of two guys interacting in an office, it's actually two children interacting with their respective childhood traumas. Now, I mean, this just came to me offhand just now, but that's that's the beauty of being able to map it out. Correct. Uh, so I do that sometimes. And so my desk sometimes looks like a bunch of cluttered, you know, arrows and flowcharts. And and like you said, right in the beginning of the podcast that we have to unlock this creativity, right? I, you used the word unlock and I found that very interesting. You said we have it all in us. What is it that we have to learn in order to, you know, turn that chavi, turn that key to unlock it? Yeah, this is, this is a great question. So... My one-line answer is we don't have to learn. We actually have to unlearn. Oh, lovely. Okay. And so, you know, a lot... Oh, that's of, harder than learning, actually. Oh, absolutely. Because you have your biases, which are coming in the way. Um, you know, we are all sort of attached to our notions of ourselves. You know, it's like they say, right? To a person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So depending on what kind of job... So I met a person who had done process excellence all his life in his job. And so when we started talking about writing, he looked at it as a strict set of processes, you know. <laughs> and so if you speak to somebody who's good at visualizing, he's, he or she is going to look at it from that point of view. So we all bring our respective biases to it. I think in terms of unlocking creativity, a few things to my mind are really important. I think one is, I think the biggest barrier is to just starting. Mm. And I think the biggest like impediment that we face when we try to start is our own expectation of ourselves. I mean, I know dozens of people who can be really good musicians or, you know, writers or maybe even entrepreneurs, but they're just so scared that they will fail. And they've set this like really high bar for themselves. And they just feel that, you know, if my writing doesn't come out like Joseph Conrad or something, I shouldn't be writing at all. What is the point in doing it otherwise, right? Exactly. And there's this internal censor or judge type person inside one's head which comes and says, oh, this is crap. It's never going to make it anywhere. You know, you're worthless. And we are so scared to hear from that judge that we don't want to start writing. It's much more comfortable to have it all in your mind and think that you'll write someday and there's this big book or it doesn't have to be a book. It can even be an entrepreneurial venture or whatever. People, you know, keep planning this stuff in their heads, but don't actually get around to doing it. There are millions so, and millions of books in people's minds correct. that they're someday going to write. That has, that has never happened. And I think Absolutely. that's what you're saying, right? Just starting is the first step yeah. and getting over the fears of starting. One is, yeah. like you said, fear of failure, fear of judgment, setting a bar too high. Are yeah. there any other reasons why people don't start? I think there's also this feeling that, you know, I've got too many things going on. Okay. And, you know, people are busy. You've got deadlines, targets, you've got bad bosses, you've got family and it's very convenient to lay the blame on all those things and mm. say, look, I really don't have the time or the mind space or the energy. Now, there again, you have to sort of call your own bluff because if you can get two hours a day to scroll through social media, I'm sure you can take out 15 minutes, 20 minutes to do your creative thing, whatever that might be. Correct. And so you have to call your own bluff. And the way I've found it's easiest to call your own bluff is to try and do your creative thing first thing in the morning or maybe second thing in the morning. 
as the day passes, your bluff keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's more and more difficult to call it out. And also, I think in the morning, the subconscious mind is at play. What happens during the day is, you know, we start thinking like a boss. Hmm. We start saying, hey, I'm in control of things. I'm going to do X, then Y, then Z. I'm going to impose this structure. I'm going to impose this process. In the morning, it's like a child. You're like, you know, halfway dreaming, you know, halfway in the state of some sort of, it's like floating in the clouds. And if you do your creative pursuit at that time, your subconscious mind is at play. And that's where all the ideas come from. It's not from the conscious mind at all. Absolutely. In fact, I find that the most creative time as well. All my podcasts are written, all my books are yeah. written at that point of time. Morning, six o'clock. Is Very my, interesting. My wow. Okay. okay. So, yeah, absolutely. So that finding that, and, and, and like how you said, it's your child mind that suddenly comes up, right? Why did you say child mind? Why is child, child mind so important in creativity? Yeah. So to me, childhood is all about wonder and curiosity. Mm. And somewhere along the way, as we grow older, I think we tend to sort of dim that light a little or just impose a bunch of other burdens and expectations on it and children often just do things because it's fun you know like you know there's a puddle and they'll just splash around and there's no promotion to be had there's no status there's no money there's no monetizing which is you know lot on a lot of people's minds what is my you roi profit? on this thing absolutely what is my yeah. roi on splashing in a puddle i need to know Right. <laughs> absolutely right and you know even you know even entrepreneurs when they start a venture nowadays it's you know, one part of it is you just want to do it for the joy of doing it and for the joy of impacting people. Correct. But, you know, in parallel, you're thinking, hey, but how do I monetize this? So, you know, as children, it's just pure, unbridled joy and creativity. And that's why to me, you know, it's important to somewhere bring that back. Are you a morning writer as well? Or are you a through the day um, writer? I, I, it's a first half writer, let's put it that way. So pre-lunch. Hmm. And so I, I don't, to be honest, do it very early in the morning. Okay. I actually meditate for an hour every morning and then I do my writing. So the writing gets done, I think, somewhere between 8 and 12, mm -hmm. thereabouts. And the rest of the day, then I do my other corporate stuff, you know, meetings, presentations, you know, working on client related stuff. But you spend a good four hours or thereabout <laughs> on, on your writing. Well, I try to, but many days it's two hours because I've got like, you know, an engagement of some sort. And yeah, I would say it's more like two to three hours, mm -hmm. but I would love for it to be more. But actually, if you do, if you manage to do four hours, that's like a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, I think two, three hours is actually perfectly fine. And in fact, if somebody is doing more than four hours of a creative pursuit, he must be, I don't know. It's like that movie, um, Lucy. I don't know if you've seen it. So Lucy is where I think, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting who was the actress in that. So she, you know, she consumes some sort of chemical and her brain starts working at like, you know, from 5%, it goes to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. And she's pretty literally burning up. So if somebody manages to do more than four hours of creative work, I'm like, I, I must be thinking that they're probably on some. Yeah, that's crazy because yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot out of you the, oh, yeah, when, when you're working on a creative pursuit. Yeah, I think two to four hours is quite a bit. Yeah. In fact, that raises another interesting thing. How do you do self-care when you're doing pursuing a creative thing, right? Like it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, are people not creative because they just don't have the energy to put into it? So you're right. Um, I think if you do the creative stuff towards the end of the day, you're already sapped out by these deadlines and targets and everything. And I think it's a different part of the brain, which has gotten progressively strengthened through the day. I don't know what it's called. It's probably the cortex or something, but it's the part that, you know, it's like, I call it the alarm sounder. Hmm. 
you know, it's like the part which says, damn it, you've got this bill to pay or damn it, you've got this presentation, damn it, you've got this meeting. Hmm. And that thing keeps going through the day. And by the end of the day, that thing has tired you out. So there, you can't switch it off. So even if you start writing, you're like, okay, how many words did I write today? How many words am I going to write today? Damn it, the ideas are not coming. Damn it, this is useless stuff. Hmm. No point. So you've turned from child to boss. Correct, exactly. So that's one thing. As far as self-care is concerned, if you actually do this, I've noticed in the earlier part of the day, you feel so energized that you can take the, literally the the crap that comes with the rest of the day. You know, there's logistic stuff, there's boring operational stuff, all of that, you can handle it because somewhere deep within, you're feeling happy and fulfilled. Correct. And I get reminded of what I read about the founder of Policy Bazaar. Uh, he was my senior, though I, I didn't know him well in college, but I heard a quote where he said that he exercises for something like three hours or something three every day. Hours. Yeah, wow. like, you know, and apparently he said that the rest of the day, I don't really care what happens because I'm, you know, already feeling good. So I feel that way with creativity too. You know, right. you, I've done my writing in the morning and the rest of the day just goes by in a breeze. Of course, there are days when that doesn't happen. <laughs> then it's a whole different story. Absolutely. And we must talk about that as well. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Venkatesh, when you think about creativity, so there was one aspect when we, were, when we started talking about, which is stuff that you have to unlearn, right? You have to break the way that you've been thinking about certain things. Like you said, that um, uh, a process person will think about creativity in one way, yeah. a visual person will see it in one way. What are the other things that we need to unlearn? Are there things that we need to learn? Is there a process to creativity? Is there a starting point for creativity? How do we start adding it into our life? Sure. So, you know, I think one part, make a beginning. Don't worry about failure. Another Mm -hmm. part, have a routine where you work in the most productive parts of the day, get your subconscious mind activated. Then you get to actually learning the craft. Okay. And so there's the art part and there's the craft part. And this is true of any creative process. I think people tend to usually overweight one of the two. You know, when I first started writing, I was thinking that I just write whatever came to my mind. And I think my first book was written that way. But over the second and third book, I've now learned to hone the craft. And, you know, there are a lot of things you, you know, you show more, tell less, you know, in the choice of words you use, uh, in not having monotonous descriptions along the way. You don't use these clever devices to just dump a lot of information on the reader. These are all craft related things that you, learn along the way and the craft is important but the problem is that a lot of people a lot of courses can teach you the craft the problem is you do a lot of these courses you're stuck with the craft and somewhere the joy is gone you know i remember what this my yoga teacher uh, you know once once said you know there is this asan where you have to it's called janushir asan where you touch your toes Mm -hmm. so when i first started i couldn't touch my toes and I had to bend my knee to touch my toe. And he said, still do it. Bend your knee and touch your toe. Get the pleasure of touching your toe. And nice. then you can over time straighten your knee. If you keep doing the drill where your knee is straight, but you're nowhere close to your toe, it's not going to be fun for you. You know, it's a bit like what people say. You want to teach people to sail. First, teach them to love the ocean. And, mm. you know, and then teach them how to build a ship. So it's the art and craft need to be balanced, but both are important. In fact, that's what the, the key thing is. The craft sometimes is completely forgotten. Right? Like I was born with this natural talent. No, you weren't. Please yeah. learn from the masters who've done it before as well. What are the steps in, involved in this? Like, did you do online courses? Did you, did you actually go for writing 
workshops and things like so that? I, I didn't go for writing workshops, but I, mm-hmm. I did. So after the first book, actually, I did read a lot of books on the craft of writing. So, I mean, if there's one book that comes to mind, it's Stephen King's book on writing. That's probably a oh, good that's one. Oh, that's a fantastic one. Yeah, so that's Huge, probably a, big one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so that's probably a good one to start with. Uh, I did it actually after I wrote my first book. So the first mm-hmm. book was sort of, you know, a little more spontaneous. But I think over the years, I've learned to hone my craft. Yeah. And picking up little inspiration from Correct. wherever you, you find it. I think that's yeah. that's a key aspect of, I, I yeah. think, in his book as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, getting your craft in, getting the, the native ability that is there as well, having fun with it, that is an important aspect of creativity. Sure. Are there any other things that are important when it comes to creativity? I, I think one other thing is to, is just your motivation to do it. Now, it's unfortunate, but a lot of the creative professions, the path to making money is not very clear. And in a lot of these professions, it remains not clear for a long time. In fact, when people say, I'm going to become a professional writer, like, Baba, but that's not going to put food on the table for very yeah, long. Absolutely. Yeah. If ever. Yeah. If ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's important to get one's motivations clear. I think do it because you love it. Do it mm-hmm. because you enjoy the journey. And then hopefully over time, because you enjoy it so much and you're getting better and better at it, hopefully the other stuff, the more worldly stuff will follow, recognition, monetization, whatever. But if you start with the wrong expectation, one is headed for disappointment. The other thing is that if you start with the wrong motivation, you won't be able to sustain the ups and downs that come along the way. You know, publishers and getting published or you may write a book, but not enough people might read it or people may read it, but they may not love it. You know, or you may not be happy with the way it turned out. So all these things, and I think entrepreneurs face this a lot. Every single entrepreneur I know who's succeeded has told me that they were literally broken at least 10, 20 times during the journey. In the process. And if you don't, if you don't love it, you won't be able, you'll, you'll bail out. I mean, you'll probably bail at, you know, the first, second or third setback. So that's important too. In fact, you know, Venkatesh, while you were talking, it, it reminded me of this thought, which is that, you know, we start because we love the creative process. So say a, a musician or say a, a writer starts because they're in love with their art. Yeah. But there is a lot of mundane stuff that goes with it. Oh, totally. Dealing with editor, dealing with publisher, dealing with, like you said, going through your rankings, checking this out, doing that. All of those aspects also you have to make peace with or understand that, you know, it's a, it's a part and parcel of this whole creative process. Because otherwise, many times people say that, oh, I'm just going to do this and then you know, yeah. let go of the other aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like this Edison statement, right? Genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, the perspiration. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of quote-unquote creative people are very low on, they're very high on instant gratification. Mm. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of the boring parts that your instant gratification mindset will not uh, be compatible with. So, Correct. yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. In fact, one of my uh, you know family friends, he's a managing director of big companies. He said this. He said that if you don't fall in love with the boring stuff, then there is no way that you're going to succeed in what you do, right? So you have to love the boring stuff, the Excel sheets, all the stuff that absolutely. you don't want to be looking at. Absolutely, yeah. Venkatesh, how do we get creativity into our lives if we are not you know pursuing something like writing or music, etc.? Like if someone's uh, you know taking care of the house. If somebody is a student right now, somebody, how do we bring elements of creativity into our life? Sure. So the first thing I'd say is try to tune into your inner compass and see what you really love. Okay. It doesn't have to be something which has an output. 
It doesn't have to be something which will get you recognition or which is even going to be read or seen by anybody. It can be that, you know, you so, you know, there is this person I know, he said he just loves taking apart motorcycles and putting them back. And there's something creative about that, too. I mean, so, you know, or yeah, in one of these movies, I remember Steve Carroll used to collect these smallish, I don't know, some, you know, toys or something like that. So it doesn't have to be something which is run of the mill. In fact, the crazier, the better. It's perfectly fine. It's important, though, that it's something that you genuinely love. I think creativity is about wonder. So if somebody says, hey, let me, you know, I'm doing housework, let me systematize it. That's not creativity. Hmm. But if there is some part of it, I don't know, a garden, for instance, or a kitchen garden, or maybe just, you know, you know, being a chef or basically just, you know, whipping up interesting stuff, there can be a lot of creativity in that. And on the other hand, you could be, you know, running, you know, you could be running a big studio or whatever and still not be creative because you're viewing your stuff as a chore. Mm -hmm. So it's less to do with what you do. It's more to do with how much you love it and whether it puts you in touch with that sense of wonder or not. And how do you find something that you love? Like, have you worked with anyone or discovered processes? And I know we're talking about processes, but like other processes to learn what you love. That's interesting what you said. So actually, I think one thing is, so I call it diverging than converging. Okay. So diverging means just get exposure to as many things as possible, Mm -hmm. because that gives you a different perspective. It feeds into your mind and then you may discover something you love. It may not even be an explicit set thing. You may discover your own thing that you love, like which is a mishmash of the five different things that you did. So this person who does this thing with motorcycles says that as when he was a kid, he used to frequently take apart all the toys that his dad bought him, Hmm. you know, and somewhere when he became older, it became this hobby. So, you know, became bigger toys. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think just diverge, see as much, do as much as possible. And then when you like something, then you converge and go deeper because you don't want to be a tourist who's always just seeing a hundred things. You want to get deeper into something because that's when true mastery comes lovely in fact my next question was just that right like once you find something how do you move through it like are there levels that you follow are there stages how do you make it more interesting how do you deep dive into it almost up now it sure so that's that's also a great question so i think the first thing is to do it if possible every day okay even if it's for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. so so there is this part of the brain that automatically sort of checks in when you do it for 15 minutes a day. Okay. So if you, for instance, do it once a week, not the same thing at all. So most important thing is making it a habit. Absolutely. Just it out there, plugging in our podcast. Yes. Let's so, make it a habit. Absolutely. This is, yes, you should make it a habit. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that it can be just 15 minutes to begin with because maybe you just don't find the time. But it should be if possible every day or at least I would say four or five times a week. The subconscious mind starts connecting and it starts doing its own processing. So you might be at work, you might be, I don't know, in a traveling or something, but somewhere the mind is sort of working away and you lose that if you do it only once a week. Hmm. So I think so. So that's, you know, if you want to, you know, convert it into a routine, that's that's probably a good way to do it. So getting consistent in the in the creative pursuit that you've chosen is step one, right? Make it part of your routine, make it maybe set a fixed time for it. Yes, a fixed time is even better. Yeah. And a fixed duration. So normally I, I tell people that set a duration or set a completion, like um, 700 words is a completion. Yeah. Or I will write for half an hour is a yeah. completion. So at, at least there is a little structure and within that structure, you can be as creative as you yeah, can. Yeah, that's a great point. So yes, try to keep it to the same part of the day. I mean, with some latitude. So mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe between seven and nine in the morning, I'll take out 15, 20 minutes. That's good enough. 
second is rather than setting yourself an output target like 700 words okay. the other one you said is better which is i'll do it for half an hour Fair. The, the reason being that when you say 700 words it starts putting pressure on your mind to come up with that and that sometimes impedes creativity hmm. now the problem is when you say half an hour and in that half an hour if you're going to be getting up and you know going to the rummaging the fridge and or you know picking up your phone and checking your whatsapp then that's not going to work it's got to be half an hour dedicated for deep thinking initial few days one will not get any thought and even later on you know there will be periods when the output is absolutely zero during that half an hour that's perfectly fine that's part of the journey okay so it's part of the journey to have complete blank spaces i think that is an important aspect of creativity as well because a blank slate is where you put on uh, things to, absolutely you know to think about and connect the dots with yeah the question i wanted to ask was you know when we start thinking about creativity how do we know that we've actually been creative i know it's a strange question but many a times i see people doing creative work and saying no no but this is normal stuff right how do we know that we actually did something creative or not so i i would actually err on the side of saying that if you even think it's 1% creative you probably have done some creative work Because, even a little bit is fine yes because most of us have this harsh judgmental streak i think which I, is always on and so i've seen people do beautiful stuff and still sort of underplay it to themselves so if you feel you will know and if you have even an inkling that this might be creative you're probably right absolutely uh, and course. stretching this yeah. sorry and of course you'll have to then hone the craft and you know all that is required but yeah i was just going to say stretching this further it is that that comparison that comes in no ashdin i'm not as creative as you or venkatesh you can write so well i can't yeah right but if you even wrote a bit you on that journey yeah and that journey is what you need to continue and like you said hone 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 till yeah. you get to that point where you know it almost becomes second nature absolutely totally agree with that yeah you know the concept about flow state right yeah. like when you are in the zone yeah yeah do you feel that every time you write do you feel that sometimes yeah this is when? a wonderful question too so i actually wrote an article on i think the article was called getting into the zone about a month okay. ago for a, for a newspaper and so a it doesn't happen very often and don't expect to get into that state either because the expectation itself imposes a burden on you and you will it will prevent you from getting into that state fair so so the the two three requirements for getting into a flow state or getting into the zone i think one of them is um no distractions hmm. you know i think there is this um, famous investor ackman so he uh, you know bill ackman he said that even if somebody comes and asks him hey what will you have for lunch or whatever poof gone so you know you need to have no distractions no interruptions second you need to be okay with whatever happens you're sort of giving up control oh so, really relegating so you're saying i'm giving up control in the sense i'm not going to control the outcome i will just do what i'm doing that's it so if i'm researching into something i'll go deeper into it if i'm trying to write or plot i'll you know do whatever i'm doing but i'm not you know the the focus on the outcome the focus on the goals that has to like fade away right. in some ways it's like what you said in the bhagavad gita right you know you focus on the task not on the outcome so it's very similar to that so the moment you have too much of the outcome in front of you it sort of impedes it the third thing i've realized is that unfortunately a deadline seems to come in the way <laughs> is a deadline good thing or a bad thing for creative work i don't know it depends i think here i think views differ okay a lot of my friends in advertising tell me that nowadays they function only when there is a deadline otherwise 
many people think that you know once i've done it it is done you know like masterpiece happened but there is a whole concept called reworking and i know a lot of reworking happens when we are writing i'm sure you must have done a lot of yeah. reworking as well on ouch ouch yeah aha uh-huh. <laughs> can you tell us about reworking and creativity oh ouch yeah so so i think writers know this particularly well the real pain actually begins after your first draft and you read it again and you just like stuff which is not light right literally like screams at you from every page and so you have to rework 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 i like reworked sometimes 20 times or whatever and there was this time when i jumped a good 70 80000 words that's enough to make a, a, a novel book. At, yes exactly <laughs> and so i had to jump 70 so it's a thriller right the, all elements of the plot have to add up and if very late in the day you realize that one element just isn't adding up you have to junk that whole train of thought okay. so okay. 70000 words just out so this is the boring part and uh, a lot of people especially first time authors have realized and i was like this too when i did it the first time are very reluctant to edit but the the sheer number of man hours which goes into editing is actually quite large yeah mm, absolutely i think that is the the polish on whatever you're doing as well right yeah it is yeah. that as aspect that actually makes the whole thing look oh, yeah. good yeah polishing is a good analogy it's like somebody literally just doing it again and again and again and again yeah ah it's it's very hard manual work yeah absolutely okay so don't fear the rework start the creative process so so you know just begin whatever it is that you're doing learn to hone the craft while you're doing it so it's not just the creative aspect or the passion that is there but also learning what you're putting into it yeah make a make a set routine for yourself so that you actually start especially in the beginning and then rework don't fear the rework would that be a good flow for our perfect you actually if you summed it up beautifully yeah right so i think this is so important because we need to make these things a part of our life should become a routine we should have this creative element because like you said it adds so much energy and vibrancy to the rest of the day might yes. as well start off with it absolutely yeah totally agree Venkatesh I absolutely had a blast talking with you on this podcast. I'm very very excited about our next one where we're talking about mindfulness at work. I'm super excited on that one. Yeah, likewise looking forward to it. So Venkatesh how can people get in touch with you? How can they continue this conversation with you? Sure. So um I I mean I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and I have my website as well. So yeah, you know I'm available, you know, on any of those. And, and what email. is your what are your handles on these? Uh, so at in Instagram it's at author s venkatesh, in Twitter it's at author venkatesh, and uh, Facebook it's just a page which is s venkatesh comma author, 
and LinkedIn as well if you search on S Venkatesh. My website is svenkatesh.in. So that has details of all these handles. That'll have everything. Yeah. And uh, your books are available everywhere. My books are available everywhere. Amazon, bookstores, everywhere. Kalkut, Agniban, both of them. Yeah. Fantastic. And now that you know the process that it, that, that it took for the books to come out, please go make sure that you buy them, read them and get thrilled. Thrillers, right? So what's going to happen next? <laughs> all right. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IBM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. We have a brand new habit coaching online course, quizzes, videos, and a lot more on the website awesome180.com. So check it out now.